0: Hello, it's Paul Scott here, UK Small Caps commentator and writer with Graham Neary of the Stockopedia Small Cap Value Reports. Happy 2023! Let's hope it's going to be a better one than last year, which was one of the worst years of my life. Um, But never mind, we get bad years every now and then and we just have to deal with it. So um, glasses are always always half full as far as I'm concerned. And we've got such attractive valuations now in many small caps that I think... um, people who hold through all this current macro turmoil should do fine long term short term i don't know what's going to happen are we in a, uh, a, a bear market rally or are we in a fresh bull market i don't i don't know I don't know. Um, Obviously, we'll come on to macro factors factors a bit later. This is actually my second attempt at recording the podcast. I got halfway through the first one and it was uh, it was rubbish. So I've scrapped it. (laughs) and start again. OK, I wish we could say the same about 2022. (laughs) But in a way, I suppose uh, that's what 2023 is, isn't it? Scrapping the last year and starting again. So, right. Tuesday 3rd of January was our first SCVR of the year. I started off looking at uh, Hotel Chocolat, H O T C. I've never been bullish on this share. It's been massively overvalued for most of its time as a as a <coughs> listed company. It's come down a lot now, but it's still not cheap, I don't think. The news on Tuesday, uh, <coughs> excuse me, with Hotel Chocolat was that it salvaged something from its disastrous Japanese j- uh, joint venture it did indicate in the past that that might be the case. So the deal we're not really told the details of it, but it now it's reduced from 50% to 20% shareholding and the Japanese partner is now running the uh operations. It's only 21 shops, but I imagine they must be fairly flagship types shops given the amount uh, of money that was spent on them. I think it was about a million pound per shop in capex that hotc invested and um, then pulled the plug on because the business was was burning too much cash so anyway it's got something residual from japan with this 20% holding and it's going to receive brand loyalty re- uh, brand royalty revenues but we're not specified at what rate so i didn't think this 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 rns was particularly price sensitive but actually it's moved the price share price up from fifty six to nearly 2 pounds over the last week. Uh, I don't understand why the price is anywhere near that level. But, mate, it's not worth it to me on Fundamentals, nowhere near. But, um... You know, uh, the business might be trading well. We don't know. We haven't seen its latest trading update yet. So we'll see with HOTC. Obviously, the share uh, has clear momentum behind it, but you never really know if that momentum is driven by fundamentals or not in this stage of, 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 of where the market is. There's lots of stuff rebounding strongly and getting nice momentum crossing through the 50-day moving average and so on and that's when traders often start to buy things because they say oh it's a signal that things must be going well uh and sometimes it is and sometimes it, it isn't this is the problem i find you know the chart particularly the smaller caps where there's not much liquidity isn't really t- actually necessarily telling you that much because It doesn't take a lot to move the price. But anyway, that's Hotel Chocolat. We'll keep an eye on that, but it's too expensive in my view. Next, Bidstack, BIDS. This was the first, I think, of two announcements this week. Um, Tuesday 3rd of January, they said uh, uh, that they're now in a legal dispute with their large distributor i've put here it's it's clearly a major blow for bidstack and if i held i would just ditch them i think risk reward now looks to have turned decisively bad with bidstack bids so yeah i'm bearish on that one now what else uh, oh something called apta aptamer ticker apta i only covered this um because it dropped 8% on a profit warning. It's a life sciences business, which I don't usually cover, but there wasn't really any other news that day. And I wanted to just get something into the archive so that if people do search for the company, they find we have got a a comment there warning people away from it. Uh, It said revenues to December was only a million pound for the second half. And with expanded overheads, I went through the interim numbers and the the overheads have gone up a lot. So I suspect this thing will have burnt through a lot of the 6.7 million cash pile that it had at June 22. So I think it's possibly going to run out of money and need to come back to the market for fresh equity. And as we know, this is the worst possible time to be coming back to the market for fresh equity. If you're a small cash burning company, you, the, the, the shares, are, if you hold the shares and that type of thing at the moment, you're a lamb to the slaughter. I think if you hold anything like that, I would just ditch them. You could always buy back in when it's refinanced, but you won't get the, the massive dilution, will you? Which Um, we're seeing in many cases 80 to 90% dilution, uh, uh, sorry discount to prevailing share prices is the sort of level that the last chance saloon where people are prepared to refinance it and of course we've seen several of those recently and of course the trouble is it doesn't necessarily sort the business out it usually gives it enough to carry on for another year or so and then the begging bowl will be back out in eight or nine months by which point you know the risk is as we were discussing in the reader comments the risk is that major shareholders just say well we're going to take it private we'll refinance it at a penny a share and we'll take it private so you know you just end, end up getting hung out to dry for a short, small shareholder and things like this unless something really remarkable happens i mean AppTamer does say bullish things about the outlook uh but they always do don't they companies that are running out of money. The bullish, the outlook's always bullish, um, and often reality turns out to be nothing like what they say it's going to be. Aptamer also has a very concentrated shareholder register and very little market liquidity, which again are big warning signs that a delisting might be the next step. So I would steer well clear of that and its ilk. Finally, I looked at Cineworld, C-I-N-E. I mean, in all but name, this is bust. Um, I think the only reason the shares can continue trading is because uh, of the American bankruptcy Chapter 11 type system, which it might end up in, um, or maybe it has already, I can't remember, but it seems to give a lot more leeway and does allow for existing equ- equity to survive. But Cineworld has again, it's trying to sell the whole business as a, as a single unit and its it, in this update, and it says, uh, as previously announced, any restructuring or, or sale. Will result in a very significant dilution of existing equity interests. Blah blah blah. There's no guarantee of any recovery for holders of Cineworld's existing equity interests. Well, that's that's laying. It's not the first time they've said this. That's laying it out. That look, your shares are, are, are probably worthless. So why would anybody anybody would be gambling on this share? I do not know. I suppose they're hoping for a. Uh, You know, some sort of remarkable uh, refinancing deal that values the existing equity uh, at a decent price. But why would that happen when the lenders are now calling the shots, given that they uh, control the business? You know, I think, you know, people who don't understand the, 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 the legal priority order of the different stakeholders in businesses need to read up on that and once once debt is out of control within a company then it, it ranks because it ranks ahead of equity it means the equity is basically worth nothing so that's a, a key point with financially distressed companies i think even if it's trading in the stock market uh, i think cineworld's now down to only 3.4p but that's still nearly 50 million market cap for a business where the equity is almost certainly worth nothing i think that's crazy but you never know. We never know what, what might happen. But I just wouldn't take the risk. It's a severe risk of 100% loss at World. Why take the risk? Oh, Graham did a review of the UK indices and their largest constituents on Tuesday's report, which was very interesting. Uh, it's interesting, obviously, that AIM had the, the worst year in 2022. It's down by about a third. But, you know, so you might think, oh, are small caps terrible, blah, blah, blah. But interestingly enough, NASDAQ also fell by a third last year. So the the, the real carnage seems to have been uh, obviously in the tech sector, which has completely changed now from super bullish euphoria to pretty bearish conditions now. Maybe there are some bargains in larger cap uh, tech stocks. I started looking at some of them last week, but obviously not my area, but... Um, they're certainly more reasonably priced now than they were. Whether they're cheap, I don't know. Um, <clears throat> now, read comments. Also, we had some interesting stuff. Camtab gave us um, a quick review of his year and his portfolio. So we like Camtab. He's a very sensible uh, subscriber, one of our regulars. Um, Simoen's, another one of our regulars, always puts sensible stuff up. Oh, interestingly, on hot chocolate, all the readers who commented agreed with me that the product's just not very nice, that <laughs> it's overpriced. It's OK. It's, it's To me, it tastes the same as any other chocolate. Um, so why pay a premium price for fancy packaging and a fancy name? Uh, Mulberry says here, um, it's overpriced and poor product, and I make chocolate so I know. So isn't that interesting? We always find somebody in the community on Stockopedia who knows, uh, you know, who's a sector expert. And I think when the sector experts are telling you, actually, this company's not very good, you know, you should listen. They're not always right. Nobody is. But uh, they're more likely to be right, I would say. Uh, Tic-Tac-Toe mentions the Velvetizer product that Hotel Chocolat are trying to promote. They're discounting the machines, he noticed, from... Over two hundred to about ninety pounds, and Robbie Burns popped up. So nice shout out to Robbie. Always good to see you commenting. Uh, Very shrewd trader, obviously Robbie is, and um, an entertaining speaker and writer as well. I have to say, and he he wrote quite an amusing uh, post about how people kept giving him hotel chocolat as gifts when he was sick and uh, for for, uh, for year-end as uh, thank yous and so on. He said he, he doesn't like it, and it's just shoved in a cupboard. So he's used the phrase of re, re-gifting it, <laughs> which I thought was funny. So it's not just me that doesn't rate uh, a Hotel Chocolat product. Oh, another one of our regulars, Patrick L, gave uh, a really interesting review of 2022 and what he's learned from it. That's fabulous. I love it when readers put up... Um, your reviews like that. So more of those, please. I've yet to do my own review of 2022 and Outlook for 2023, but it's on the to-do list. <laughs> and here we've got another one, Homo Sap um, reviewed his own portfolio performance. So yeah, let's have more reader portfolio reviews, please. We really enjoy them. And it's a, <clears throat> it's a community on Stockopedia. It's not just me and Graham um dictating to everyone we we uh we want the whole community contributing which they do brilliantly and of course another shout out to Mr Contrarian for his <clears throat> first uh for his snapshot posts first thing in the morning detailing the RNSs they're brilliant so helpful to so many people we all really really appreciate them so thanks Alan what happened on Wednesday then the 4th of January well it was a really quiet day uh Graham uh, just said look there's no news today Paul so I'll. Uh, I'll do other stuff if you don't mind. I said, "Yeah, of course, entirely up to you." Because we're both freelance. We don't, um, you know, we 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 liaise closely, obviously. But we um, we we, you know, you have to write about the things you want to write about, as well as uh, uh, as well as what's there. But anyway, I covered Heiq. That's the name of the company. And I, what's that? Hiq or Hiuk? I don't know how you pronounce it. Heiq. Anyway, um, this is. Uh, Terrible float a couple of years ago. I've always been um, sceptical about this one. I think they had one good year... And it was just an opportunistic opportunistic float at a massive over overvaluation, promising great thing things jam tomorrow, jam tomorrow. Actually profits have just gradually collapsed. And it's now it had a bad miss for Q four of twenty twenty two and it's now loss making. Um so yeah, but but obviously the valuation's fallen so much now. I think people are looking at it and maybe saying, Well, is it a bargain now? Should we just grab some for the turnaround potential? Well, the first thing I do in situations like that is I look at the balance sheet. If it looks like it's going to need cash, I wouldn't touch it. But actually HEIQ doesn't seem to need cash. The balance sheet has some, some net cash, but although I did notice, and the balance sheet overall looks quite strong actually, but I did notice that both inventories and receivables look much too high, so there could be some nasties lurking in those. Uh, that's an amber, well, mm, red, red flag really, rather than amber flag. The, um, the Chinese distributors apparently are slow in paying, so uh, I think there's there could well be more bad, bad news to come, but the c e o bought two reasonable chunks of shares. We had a good discussion about whether it's significant if a if a major shareholder c e o buys eighty hundred grams worth i think he bought one of each of those of those size um but it's relatively small to his overall holding so I don't know an I o q i don't have a strong view either way um it's rubbish, but the shares have crashed in price, and it may recover they 've got about fifty projects in the pipeline as well in the development pipeline. so who knows i, I, I think i 'll try and keep an open mind on HEIQ. now <coughs> sorry got a <coughs> frog in my throat concurrent technologies cNC Uh, put out an update for 2022, second half. Um, I was underwhelmed initially because H1 and H2 were only around break-even, and the cash piles dropped a lot. But going through the narrative in more detail, I think there are good reasons as to why the cash has temporarily dropped. They've built up a lot of inventories... um, because of of supply chain log jams, but that's expected to ease in 2023. So they sh- and they've got a massive order book. That's the main bull point on concurrent technologies. The order book is more than the whole of 2023 forecast revenues, and they're now putting on double shifts at their factories. So um, <clears throat> it looks pretty much nailed on that concurrent should be able to catch up this year and have a nicely profitable year in 2023 it's historically been a decently profitable business although i do question the valuation a bit because there's not really much sign of organic growth but again they're saying the new products they've brought in are doing well and that legacy they were running on sort of legacy products that were end of life now they're saying the new products are coming in strongly so i think this one looks interesting concurrent technologies so i've given it a thumbs up uh, lots of good reader posts again on Wednesday. Bowden fifty four did a nice review and uh, posted multiple interesting share ideas, some of which I think are very good. Actually, I agree with about half of those, or rather than the, the ones I know. Boone um, also gave uh, a nice update. Uh, so yeah, some 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 really good reader comments on Wednesday as well. Well worth reading, and we discussed M Uh, Marks & Spencers, obviously, and a few other uh, stocks. And there's discussion about concurrent. So, yeah, uh, uh, Wednesday was an interesting uh, day for discussions. Oh, we had a really interesting um, comment from Mark Tuggan on um, Wednesday, who says he's an operator in the hospitality sector. And he said, yes, uh, sentiments at rock bottom. Um, But he then went through why he thinks um, differentiated operators – should survive and do and do better. So that is is quite a long post actually. But that's really worth reading. It got sixty seven thumbs ups. So um, that is a lot of thumbs ups basically. So people really appreciated a sector expert, somebody who's actually running a company in the sector, uh, as opposed to somebody like me who who used to run a company in the sector twenty years ago and is now a bit rusty. <laughs> so thanks for that. Yeah, great comments. Oh, B and B, one of our favourites, also did a. Did a end of year review type of thing, as did um, R D. Howarth. So yeah, loads and loads of. Oh, and here we are. Ellis Wilgig did another review, so lo- with 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 a graph. So lots of uh, lots of good comments there. Thanks, guys. Okay, moving on to Thursday. This was a really really busy report. I remember <coughs> I didn't finish till about. <coughs> Sorry, excuse me. I'm shattering your eardrums. I've just looked at the sound meter. <laughs> I did that one away from the screen, the microphone. Now, um, yeah, this was a really busy day. Dignity. Oh, I did a rant on this. It received a bid approach in October and it's been in detailed negotiations and got the price raised three times. And they finally announced it in January. Well, that means there's been a false market in Dignity shares now for almost three months. This is an absolute outrage. The takeover panel rules on disclosure are just absurd. Obviously, so I had a really good uh, rant about – not a rant, I had a, I complained about it in, in, in detail on Thursday's report, explaining why I think this is unacceptable. All other price-sensitive information has to be uh, announced to the market immediately. But for some reason, negotiators spending three months negotiating a premium price takeover bid with your two major shareholders, uh, doesn't have to be disclosed. How ridiculous is this? Apparently the takeover panel take the view and I've I've spoken to them about it myself and they brushed me off saying, Oh well you know, if companies inform the market every time they received a speculative approach They'd, uh, you know, they'd be announcing all the time. Well, nobody's suggesting that. What, people like me and, and Lord Lee and ShareSock have campaigned on this too, so it's not just, it, it, this is a topic a lot of people feel very strongly about. Because if you imagine you'd sold your Dignity shares in October, November or December and now a bid comes through that you would have got 30, 40% more for them and that bid was being negotiated with credible backers at the time you sold, you've been fleeced because you know you're not going to tell me that out of the hundreds of people who would have been aware of what was going on somebody somewhere in that group wasn't inside a dealing probably through a deniable friend down the pub or something you know split the proceeds 50-50 you know they, we all know there's insider dealing goes on it's just you know it's very very difficult to prove so if it's deniable you know it's free money and the, and the, it's not a victimless crime because the person who sold the shares got ripped off so we've got to have regulatory change this is very very important I think uh, what else uh, Mattioli Woods that was Graham he looked at that oh, oh now this was the retail day wasn't it uh the first three big retailers put out their trading updates, so I looked at next in in quite a bit of detail. They said Christmas was better than expected, so they've raised their forecasts and you could see the read across uh, uh, amongst lots of other shares when that announcement came out on thursday you know um and the fascinating stuff in their announcement about inflation as well saying it's been mainly caused by foreign exchange uh and that the Forex is now moving you know has moved partially recovered. Obviously, dollar sterling being the key rate that all the goods are bought in at. And the factory gate prices are now falling. So they are now saying I think inflation for their selling prices will be 8% in the first half of calendar 2023 and then 6% or lower in the second half. So this is more evidence that actually now we're probably over the worst for inflation in the uk and actually in other countries you can see it starting to fall in some other countries as well so that's possibly fueling this rally at the moment that we do seem to be you know high inflation does seem to be a a problem that should abate as 2023 goes goes along and that's based on very clear forward-looking indicators and also uh, freight costs have now normalized and um you know energy prices because it's been a mild winter so far gas prices have come right down but all of the, all of these things seem to take time to feed through don't they because of forward contracts and so on and hedging but but certainly at this stage it could change at any point of course but at this stage it does seem to be likely now that inflation is likely to be less of an issue as we progress so that's really good news i think now next i looked at bme this is b&m stores another i really like this share Uh, it's got an 8.3 percent dividend yield but that includes about half of that as special dividends and i actually did a mystery shop i went to the one outside bournemouth on a on a on a retail park (coughs) and i put my uh, videos of my three short videos of my mystery shop in b&m into the comments section on I think it was the following day's report. Yeah, Friday's report. So that was... I always do them a bit tongue-in-cheek, so it's not too serious. Uh, what else did I look at? Oh, Angle. Now, AGL. This is an interesting-sounding Blue Sky Jam Tomorrow-type project. It does look credible. Um... But it's been listed, as I say, it's been listed nearly 20 years with the same basic project. These things take an eternity to commercialise. And the shares dropped 31% and then another 10% on Friday because they're basically saying, you know, the timescales are now extending out further. 2023 was meant to be the big year of commercialisation. They're now saying that's pushed into 2024. The trouble is it's also set to run out of cash in 2024. So sadly, because I would like this project to succeed, because it's a, a groundbreaking thing um, about detecting uh, cancer cells um, <clears throat> and collecting them from the patient's blood. Uh, I think risk reward, unfortunately, with Angle has just turned um, down quite badly. Um, so I don't know, will they be able to commercialise it before the cash runs out? Is the key question. Graham looked at Mattioli Woods, a fund management uh, financial services provider. M B T W and he also looked at uh, an interesting thing, Glen V, Glen v properties, G L V. This is actually an Irish home builder, and of course, uh, Graham's based in Ireland, so he's a good chap to listen to from his on the on the ground experience of Irish companies. So I was hoping he'd look at that one and he and he did. So that's good. There's a third one. Oh yes, it was Greg's, G R G. Now really good at, well, I say really good. The update from Greg's, the fast food um outlets of course um in line with expectations so it wasn't amazing but going into the detail their like for like sales for the year were up about 17 percent which is incredible so um again i think it's the value-based retail and hospitality chains that are doing better isn't it uh people's finances are squeezed i find myself when i go into bournemouth and i get peckish uh you know it's it's seven to ten pounds in mcdonald's uh it's nine ten pounds with a drink if you go to um what is what's it called that burrito chain oh uh i think it's just called burrito isn't it uh you know and you don't really want to be spending a tenner willy-nilly do you just on something to grab while you're out so popping into greg's you know a pasty and a donut's two quid isn't it i mean that coffee's lovely as well so i've 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 downsized downsized is that the word Well, no, you won't be downsizing if if you're eating pasties and donuts all the time, will you? (laughs) But as an occasional treat, they're all right. Uh, So, yeah, I think I can see why Greg's is popular with the customers. They're innovating on product. They're doing longer hours and they're still expanding uh, at pace. They've. They're going to open 150 net new shops this year, currently at 2,300. So I can see why people like Greggs and want to invest in it. But I have challenged the valuation on that. It's had a really good run recently from about, I think, 18 quid to 25 quid off the top of my head. I think that's high enough. Personally, I wouldn't be chasing it uh, any higher than that. And also, you've got to think about what happens when energy prices do start to normalise. You know, that and consumer spending starts to... Uh, come back when when people are getting sort of four five percent pay rises and inflation is down to, say, three, four percent, which could be the case in late 2023. You know, real incomes could could rebound um, in, in, say, about a year's time and costs could could actually be lower in some with energy so you could you could see that some of these businesses might actually be able to improve their profit margins in future years maybe i'm being too ambitious expecting that in 2023 that might be more of a theme for 2024 but yeah gregs i really like it but i think the shares are high enough for now at 25 quid I don't think we'll have any mystery shares this week because there was nothing that really stood out as uh, as amazing, I don't think. I did have a look at something for the first time in many, many years called Essentra, um, ticker E-S-N-T. Now, it, this dropped about 9 or 10% on an update. Uh, it's um, quite a complicated situation of restructuring and it's going down, it's selling off. Uh, all its peripheral businesses one of which is really large and is going to eliminate all its debt that's set to complete in January and they're going to do a, a a big return of capital to shareholders um I think this looks quite interesting actually it's it's bigger than what we normally look at I think it's 700 odd million market cap something like that it's been in a downtrend for 7 years the shares um and sentiment still seems bombed out. But anyway, I looked at all the fundamentals, and it is quite complicated because of the restructuring. But I actually think it looks um, quite interesting. But um, it did say conditioned work conditions worsened in Q4. Uh, but they offset that by price rises and cost control. But, you know, people are not going to want to rush in there probably if... Demand is tailing off, so the shares could remain under pressure. But I think it's potentially interesting. Now, Nanoco, N-A-N-O. This is the quantum dots thing that's been in a big patent infringement case with Samsung. It's suing Samsung. And there's talk of the potential settlement being in the hundreds of millions, plus uh, big royalties. So I've been keeping an eye on this one. I did did actually own some a while ago, but I just decided I didn't have any informational edge um, which is a pity, because if I'd held them, I would have tripled my money. But this is speculation rather than investment this share, But anyway, really good news. They announced litigation outcome settlement agreed. So on the day the trial was scheduled to start, they claim that they've reached agreement with Samsung, but they haven't given any um, actual figures on that. And they've then said there's an, a standstill agreement for 30 days on the trial, where they're going to thrash out the detail of the settlement. So it's kind of agreed but not agreed, <laughs> if that makes sense. So, But anyway, it's certainly looking encouraging. The shares shot up 40% on the news. So, look, I haven't got any, any information to say whether I think it's good or bad, because I don't know what the outcome financially will actually be. But um, it's looking interesting. Then I looked at... Now, this was a funny one on Friday. Clarkson, the shipping broker, CK, CKN... Uh, about a billion market cap, but I thought i'd have a look at it anyway, as it was a quiet day and we're trying to we're trying to cover as much as we can with less focus on the um, on the really really small things other than to give a quick view on them we're you know if we're going to go through the accounts, we want it to be for something a bit bigger and I think Clarkson looks interesting now the share price only rose four per cent on Friday, despite the fact that it put out an ahead of expectations. Trading update, and the broker, Libram. many thanks for publishing the note, Libram. really appreciate it. They've raised EPS forecasts for both 2022 and 2023 by nearly 20%. So that's a huge increase in profit forecasts at Clarkson, but it barely budged the share price. The only conclusion I can come to is that, you know, we know there's been a boom in... in in profits for the the shipping industry because of all the supply chain problems. So maybe the market's saying, look, you know, these bumper profits are not sustainable. And I must admit, I don't know anything about the sector, but to me that sounds logical, doesn't it? You know, if container rates went from, well, container rates did go from $2,000 to $20,000, and they're now pretty much back down. So it stands to reason to me that the broker's, while there was a huge shortage of supply and massively high prices, the brokers must have been coining it in. And uh, now you've almost, it seems now that we've probably got a glut of shipping because companies in the West are de-stocking, demand has reduced and so on. Um, the China, uh, it, you know, so so um, who was that I spoke to? Uh, UPGS, I think, when I spoke to them, said to me that they expected to, uh, shipping prices to overshoot on the downside because of these factors so I don't know I'd want to be buying Clarkson at this stage in the cycle Uh, although I do recognize and acknowledge it's a very very good company that's got a brilliant track long-term track record it's more than 10 bagged but most of the gains happened quite a few years ago now and it's gone mainly sideways apart from a it's about it's lost about half of the pandemic boom surge in share price and I'm wondering if it might lose the rest of it but I don't know Finally, I looked at an interesting little tiddler called One Media IP, ticker OMIP. I I was expecting to just brush it off as being no good, but the more I dug into it, the more I thought, actually, this looks quite intriguing. It buys up music rights for bands that are sort of... um have had their heyday, if you like, so they bought up the rights. One example was Kid Creole and the Coconuts. Who can forget them? Those of us who were children of the 70s and 80s, they were fantastic. Um, And, um, you know, these things generate good, reliable income streams from all the streaming, um, music streaming services and so on. And I think the royalty in America went up by about 50% recently. Uh, the royalty they have to pay, I think I read somewhere. I think this, and they, it's also got uh, one IP, OMIP, it's also got a, a software business that it's developing, which is burning cash. So the underlying business is actually making more profit than the headline profit numbers uh, show. And I quite like special situations like that because you can find hidden value. So I think uh, One Media IP is a interesting tiddler that uh, special situations microcap investors might like to look at. I'm I'm neutral on it overall, but I do, I do think there's some merit in it. It's subscale, that's the big issue. So, how do you scale up without causing massive dilution? I don't know. Answers on a postcard, please. Now, Friday, my big news was that I launched my spreadsheet. This is meant to be for Stockopedia subscribers only. It's a summary of uh, which companies we've covered in all Smallcap Valley Reports, since the 1st of July. Now, I initially set it up. It just lists the tickers for each day. I originally set it up just to count the number of companies we'd covered out of interest, unique companies, and it turns out we covered uh, the latest tally since the 1st of July is 400 companies. Now, interestingly enough, so that's a hell of a lot of companies Graham and I have covered, uh, and that's just in, as I say, just over six months. Now, Oliver at Stockopedia HQ messaged me and said he using his technology there he could count up the number of unique tickers uh, through the tags in the actual articles so he quickly ran a a macro or whatever to do that and he said the total since for the whole of calendar 2022 graham and i wrote about 533 unique companies which oliver said was pretty phenomenal and i have to say it is how on earth we managed to give views on that many companies, I really don't know. I mean, that's that's a huge chunk of the UK market, you know. Um, I think Stockopedia shows a, a tally of about 1,400 companies in total. So we've covered over 500 of them. That wouldn't include, I, I guess, investment trusts and various other listed vehicles that are not companies as such. But uh, I'm pleased to say... Uh, so so I just don't get it when people say, what oh, you're not covering you know the right companies or you're obsessed with this or that company you know we covered 533 for goodness sake if you can't find anything of interest in there then ch- chances are you know um UK small caps aren't for you full stop um, but anyway, I thought that was really... So this spreadsheet, yeah, I put the link to it in Friday's Small Cat Value Report. It's meant to be an added value service just for Stockopedia subscribers, so please don't share the link anywhere else on the internet. Uh, and I got... Re- I asked for feedback, um, and I got really, really good feedback, because what I do is I put... I colour code each company that we cover the ticker for each company. Green is... It's just traffic light system. Green is good. Uh, uh, amber is just... Mm, Some good, some bad. And red is where there are some sort of red flags there where I think it's high risk. For example, if it needs to raise fresh equity or if the results are very poor, that sort of thing, I flag them red. So you can basically just look at your screen and on one page without any scrolling, you can see uh, over a month's, well, no, about a month's worth of small cap value reports and home in on on the best stuff, which is the, the, the green what what we think is the best stuff from the perspective of a value gap investor. Now, obviously, other investors will look at things differently. So you may think that uh, you know some of the red shares might be uh, special situations where you might get your multi baggers, but you'll also get a lot that'll be disastrously bad. But some people like hunting in that sort of space, you know, and looking for the looking for the good stuff that might be buried in there. And then the amber stuff, we try to be balanced. And Now, I've also used a feature where when you put your mouse over a company's particular ticker, then a brief summary uh, that I've taken from the small caps uh, pops up, which I've, I've typed up for each of the companies. I've only done about a month's worth of them. Now, the trouble was we found out lots of people weren't actually able to see the pop-up comments, it's in a Google Drive spreadsheet. One of the readers suggested that I use notes instead of comments, which is the same thing. But notes apparently are publicly visible. So I've started this morning replacing uh, the, pri- the private comments, which some people can't see, with public notes, which I'm hoping everyone will be able to see. So if you wouldn't mind, could you, particularly if you use Macs or um, don't use Chrome... These seem to be the users who are having the problem. If you use Apple or Macs or iPads or whatever, would you mind just having a look at Friday's report, clicking on the link into my spreadsheet, and then seeing what happens when you hover your cursor over the, um, over the tickers in the first, right at the top. I've only done down to about row 15 or something. Um, so it's the top f- sort of 10 rows that have got these notes in that I'm hoping will pop up when you hover your cursor over the tickers in the first ten rows. So if you wouldn't mind checking that out for me and coming back to me by putting a, a, a new comment at the top of um, Friday's Small Cap Value Report. That would be really, really helpful. Because if um, I can't get my iPad to load Stockopedia at all, unfortunately. It's an ancient 12-year-old iPad. So um, I can't check it myself, and I use PCs. And it all works fine on PCs, but it's not working fine on Apple products. So it really, really helped me if you could... uh, 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 post a comment to confirm whether the the new note function is working anyway um i'm really pleased with the feedback for my spreadsheet i must admit it is good it's really useful if you want to just quickly look for the best uh in my opinion i share ideas that we've covered over the last month to save you having to wade through reading 30 odd reports you can just home in on the ones that quickly on the ones that you think look interesting so i hope people enjoy it and find it useful. I have had enough positive feedback to convince me that it's worth spending the extra time doing this. Okay, just a few points I jotted down on my pad as the week went on of more general and macro themes. I've noticed there are more companies saying that their customers are becoming more cautious. So uh, in the updates I've looked at, quite a few companies have said that. So it seems to me there's little doubt that we are going into a recession. And that's not going to be good for companies' earnings, is it? So I don't know and that's happening hand in hand with quite strong rebounds in a lot of company shares. So I don't know I'm still quite cautious I have to say in the short term. You know, you're going to see lots of profit warnings this year. So should we be if you you know if you've got a really strong rally in a share you hold I think there's quite a compelling argument for maybe top slicing or selling all altogether to bank those profits. So you can buy the dips on um, the profit warnings. Um, I mean, there are lots of things on my watch list going up at the moment. So market conditions felt distinctly bullish this week. Again, uh, I don't know if that's going to last. That's all I'm saying. Oh, Next did a really, really brilliant disclosures. And they did a profit bridge from last year, from 2022 actual profit to what they're expecting for 2023. I've, I've not seen that before for actually natural guidance. So I, this is a request really to all companies. If you can, put in profit bridges for where it really helps us understand um, how how the forecasts are calculated. But I mean, Next is in a class of its own for disclosure. The other thing I noticed with Next is the higher corporation tax takes a hell of a big chunk out of its profits for um, next year, the year that starts on the 1st of February. Um, So this is something to bear in mind you need to check all the forecasts for all companies that the brokers have definitely hiked the corporation tax rate because on smaller companies quite often the forecasts are quite old and they may not necessarily have yet factored that in and it's a big number for next it brings their, um, their forecast earnings per share is down to 500p for year ending January 2024. So it's on, a, I've said that I feel really on a PE of about 13. Next is probably fully priced for the time being. It's had a really good run. I think that's another one where people might bank some profits. Uh, <clears throat> I saw Sainsbury's is raising its wage staff wages by 10%. And the supermarkets paying their staff more is pressurising other sectors. Uh, we need to see productivity gains, don't we? I think businesses... You know, it's it's good that they're paying their staff more, but I mean, it's going to put a lot of pressure on corporate profits. I think unless, so I'm looking for companies to talk more about how they're going to get productivity uh, gains, and, and we're not really seeing a lot of that from the companies I, I follow. Um, oh, yeah, I've already covered the energy. Uh, Spot prices on gas have got much, much cheaper in Europe and the UK, thanks to the mild weather. Storage facilities in Europe apparently are nearly full still. Uh, I was looking at, uh, I think it was uh, Spiegel, uh, as I like to look at what goes on in Europe as well. Our media is so parochial in Britain. And there were some interesting stats there on where the energy is coming from. They're obviously using far less gas from Russia now and much more liquefied natural gas is coming in is being imported um i think you know we need some sort of st- price stability mechanism don't we um for your for for energy i don't know how you do that uh yeah inflation falling overseas i've mentioned already um oh dignity one of the things with their takeover bid that I want to flag is that in the reasons they've given for the two major shareholders taking it private, wanting to take it private, is less scrutiny. You know, um, there's been a lot of problems for, you know, funeral service providers, price gouging customers, taking advantage of vulnerable people. So I think it's a pretty, the big players there, I think, are pretty unethical. Uh, but of course, then the government intervened with regulatory stuff. And one of the reasons Dignity said it wanted to delist is was the, um, you know, the scrutiny of being a private company. Other companies that have d- delisting or going private have been taken over. Have said you know the regulatory hurdles and the burden of the costs of being a listed company are not worth it, and that the valuations are now so low, lower than private market transactions, that there's less and less appeal to being a UK listed company. So. I'm quite worried about all of this. Actually, I think you know, it's it's too early to call the death knell of the of UK equities, but uh, it's 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 um, something needs to change, doesn't it? We need a, an influx of fresh money. Maybe we just need to downsize the UK market, we have far fewer companies, but have better quality companies. Uh, and the brokers definitely share most of the blame, I think, because they just chase the lucrative fees and they float rubbish at overvaluations. I know uh, my friends in the broking community don't like me saying this, but it's true. Um, now, the U.S. markets, I see there was some... Um, that's It's really what the Fed does next that seems to be driving things there. The um, U.S. jobs market is still strong, but wages growth uh, cooled in December, I see, we were told, on Friday, which fueled a 1% a, a or 2% rally. So who knows what the central banks are going to do? I don't. Um, and uh, I think that's it for this week thank you for listening I hope you've enjoyed it and uh, do leave some comments I'm not really getting much if any feedback on these podcasts so I don't know if I'm producing something you you want me to do or that you enjoy or whether I could shorten them or I, I don't know tell, tell me what you think uh, and uh, come back to me with any points on companies I've mentioned so I do I do read all the comments and I do enjoy them. So, yeah, more feedback, please, listeners. <laughs> Thanks then, and I'll, I'll speak to you next week. Bye. Bye.